Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome to the Cowboy Chronicles, the Oklahoman's Oklahoma State football podcast. I am your host, Scott Wright, joined by Jacob Unruh. Post-game podcast in the mobile podcast studio, Jacob, following another Oklahoma State victory, 39-32. to They keep coming up with these weird scores, man. It's really, really weird. I didn't predict this one, though. I'm sorry. No, you did not. And if you had, I would have, uh, I don't I don't know what I would have done. I would have lost my mind. You would have taken me to Vegas. That's probably right, yeah. But 39-32, to lots to talk about. Uh, offense, Ollie Gordon, uh, Rashad Owens. Alan Bowman, Brennan Presley, defense, giving up big play after big play after big play, and then just suddenly stopping. Yeah. It was all very fascinating. Where where should we start, Jake? you got to run through the names on defense first. You ran through offense. Right. There's right. Colin Oliver. Yes. There's Kendall Daniels. Yes. There's Dylan Smith. Yes. There's Deshaun Brown. Deshaun Brown. There's... Xavier uh, Ross. Yes. Xavier Benson had a sack. He did. Nick uh, Martin had a sack. Nick Martin. Um, lots yeah. of guys. Lots of guys to run through there, too. Lots of guys getting involved. Um, Dylan Smith is one. We'll get to, we'll get to that more. Uh, not only his presence, but that play in particular where he and Deshaun Brown ended up sort of comboing for an interception. Fascinating. But uh, but where should we start? we got to start on offense, right? Yeah. Yeah, that was the most consistent part of the night. That's probably the thing that gives you the most hope going forward if you're an Oklahoma State fan because they just continue to get better week after week after week. They were really solid at Iowa State, looked even better against Kansas State. Now this week they go out and, and put up, I, gosh, I can't remember 544 now. yards? 544 yards. I don't have the stat sheet in front of me in the mobile studio here, but that's right. it was something like that. Yeah, so obviously things are settling in now with, with Alan Bowman, who had his best completion percentage of, of the season at, at just over 68%. Throws for uh, 336 yards, if I remember right. Um but Ollie Gordon, I think, is uh, is story number one on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, Ollie's. Um, as I wrote this, uh, Mike Gundy says he's going to go with the hot hand and run it back. Yeah. He said that before the season. Right. Um, hot is an understatement. Oh, absolutely. Right now for Ollie Gordon, let's scorched earth, nuclear, different planet, whatever you want to say about this guy right now. He is running. Like a madman with the football, he is. He's he's he said he feels unstoppable on when he gets going on the energy plays and stuff, um, which I think is fair because he averaged six yards a carry, uh, career numbers in yards again on the ground, career yards receiving, had 112 yards receiving. Yeah. Um, by the way, 116 I think had 122 yards after the catch. He had more yards after the catch than he did receiving yards because I think he lost some yards on a play. But just an unreal performance. Caught a touchdown, rushed for a touchdown. First play of the game goes 50 yards on a reception. 
um, on a screen. Just the every and every other play on that drive, he had a big play and scored the touchdown. Yeah. Just, he set the tone early. He finished the game strong. I I asked Casey Dunn, I said, does he just get stronger? And he's like, yeah, I think so. Like, it's just, it's amazing seeing Ollie Gordon's doing. Um, I know he's big. Gundy pointed out he's, you know, 6'1", 218. Um, I think he said that he's different than uh, normal-sized people. Yes. And uh, Which I thought was a really funny way of saying that. Yeah. But uh, it's fun. I, I'm getting a, a kick out of just watching what Ollie's doing with the football right now. Yeah, and he's fun to talk to. Always, always entertaining. But um, you know, and we've we've gone over this stat. Uh, I think probably three weeks in a row now. And I, I don't know what the updated numbers are on his yards per carry when he gets double digit carries. Uh, but it was six point four coming in, so it's going to be still around that yeah. around that mark again, uh, as compared to four point five in games when he doesn't doesn't get uh, double digit carries. So. He really, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that this guy just gets stronger and feeds off of the extra work that he gets. He just continues to prove it. That 42-yard touchdown run was nice. It was. That was impressive. Uh, smooth little cut. Um, he, he talked about you know seeing seeing Joe Mahalski and, and Preston Wilson come through with their blocks and and just plants his foot and turns it up and uh, really. Really impressive run, and I mean the guy just continues to to look better and better in this offense. Now, one thing they're going to run into is they're going to reach a point where they have to uh, they have to let off the gas a little bit and mix in some of these other guys. Yeah, this is uh, 21 carries last week, 21, uh, 29 uh, tonight, 17 the week before. Exactly, and Elijah Collins and Jay Nixon combined for 14. The last three games. During those three games. Yeah. So they are going to have to start mixing those guys in. You don't want to run run his wheels off at this point. Um, but he is a really important part of what's making this offense go. Uh, I think his presence makes it easier for Alan Bowman to throw the ball. I think there's a lot of impact. Um, now, listen, we cannot give this much credit to Ollie Gordon without – throwing some toward this offensive line because three weeks ago I thought this line was a disaster. I didn't think there was any way they were going to figure out how to run the ball. And they've uh, they've got things turned around. They even did it uh, much of tonight without Dalton Cooper, who uh, who we've talked about on this show. It was a really important part of that turnaround. But they, they slide Jake Springfield over to left tackle, Cole Birmingham in at right tackle, and they keep rolling. So Really solid performance from them to get things turned around, Jacob. Yeah, that line and Ollie was quick to give recognition to the line too. Yeah. I thought was, you know, the the uh, right thing to do as a running back, obviously. But I think it's legitimate. Like that line, it didn't even seem like it didn't feel like I had to focus on the line. Right. The la- la- this tonight. I think last week I did because we were convinced. But now, like it doesn't seem like this issue you have to focus on like you've had to in the past year and a half. And yeah. that's a good sign. Bowman's getting plenty of time. Um, he stayed in the pocket a couple times, and uh, as pressure come on, came his way, um, he moved the pocket. But Ollie doing what he's doing, um, Brandon Presley did what he did. I mean, they're able to pull off flea flickers. Right. That's enough time right there, right? So yeah. I mean, um, I just I like what I've seen offensively and how they've come along with some things. You know, Mike Gunny said they, they realized their identity has to be to run the ball more. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's because they realize the talent they have in Ollie Gordon is a lot of that. 
Um, and it just makes everyone better when they do that. Yeah, it does. Then you mix in that they're getting production out of Brennan Presley in the slot and just kind of as an interior guy. You know, they uh, they moved him into the backfield, uh, handed it to him once on, uh, on I, uh, I would call it a jet sweep. Uh, though it's probably got lots of different names where he's coming in motion. They take the snap from under center and hand it to him. Casey Dunn called it a fly sweep. Fly sweep. Ooh, I like that. So I That's used that fun. in the story. That's kind of fun. Um, so we'll go with that. The fly sweep scored the uh, the touchdown there at the end that uh, that, that put them ahead. Um, Rashad Owens really has has solidified that outside receiver position that I that I wondered what it was going to look like without Dejon Stripling. But yeah. he was really solid tonight. He's taking pressure off Jaden Bray. They didn't yeah. really have to. At times, I felt like, especially when Dejon got hurt, they had to, they tried to force it to Jaden Bray too much because mm-hmm. Brayden was covered up too. Right. And now it's like they're not forcing Jaden. Like Rashad was. Rashad put a career numbers up again tonight. Second week in a row, had over yeah. 100 yards receiving. First 100 yard receiving game in his career. Um, you know, and also I'm going to toot my own horn for the second straight week. I wrote about a player who had a big game. Yes. So. I think I, I, I think you deserve to toot your own horn if you write about a player who doesn't tear his ACL exactly. on game day. Exactly. So. That's that's the writer's curse. And yeah. So, so far, I'm doing well. So, I can't guarantee it's going to be three weeks in a row. Right. The third time may not be the charm here. but Yes. Um, uh, red zone offense, a little bit better? It was better. And I think Brendan Press was a big part of that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, both his touchdowns came in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to talk about that flea flicker play. Yeah, yeah, we do. Absolutely. That thing looked like a disaster right when it started to develop because everyone was covered yes Bowman looked around and said oh there's no one open and somehow and this is how the play is designed Brandon Presley is his last check down the guy that flips the ball to to uh, Bowman there is the last check down he's still near the line and he snuck out to the side and Bowman got it to him and all he had to do was outrun the defensive end or tackle. I'm not quite sure who was there. It was a big guy that had right. no chance to catch Brennan. Yeah. And Brennan just ran in the end zone. And that was one of the head, headsiest plays, headiest plays, however you say that, that I've seen in a long time by both of those guys. It was yeah. crazy. And it changed. I mean, it was early, but I feel like it changed the whole complexion of the offense that they realized they could score in the red zone. Yes, exactly. So, uh, did it end up being three uh, three of six as far as touchdowns? Yes, and, th- and then three field goals. Yes. Okay. So definitely an improvement from uh, from last week when they only got one touchdown on six trips into the red zone. So got those numbers back up, and uh, and that was really important. So anything else on the offense before we jump over to uh, to the defensive side of the ball? Bowman's playing well. We haven't talked much much yeah. about Alan Bowman. No, no, he absolutely is. You know, I, I I know. So, so a little bit of a backstory. Uh, was it after South Alabama that a reporter came around the the, the press box taking a, a a poll on who should be the quarterback? Yes. yes. I, there there were uh, probably about twelve people who answered the poll. I was the only one who said Alan Bowman needed you to were. be the guy. You were. Um, I, I said Garrett Rangel, and I yeah. was wrong. Uh, listen, I think I think Rangel could have succeeded in this offense. Yes. Um, but. There is a uh, a consistency that Bowman provides, and a uh, a steadying force that that he is, and I think that's really important for this offense. Uh, and I, I 
you know, I felt like he was hurt early by uh, a lot of the drops that he was dealing with. I uh, felt like he was a little bit hurt by being by being the first guy out in a couple of those games because uh, you know defenses did some different stuff and he ended up being the one that was kind of the guinea pig. So there were a lot of things that made me feel like he was the uh, the best guy to come out of this. And um, I think now you're seeing what he can be in this offense. So uh, yeah, from a consistency standpoint, from an experience standpoint. I think he really offers a lot, and you're you're seeing what he does well right now. Six, he had two mistakes tonight, right? Like I think he had the the one that was nearly a pick six by Kobe Bryant, right? Um, then and then he had a he missed a sidearm throw that was really weird that could have been a big play. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he had one. Close. He had one more late that he uh, that he kind of tried to force in there. Could have been a, a pick as oh, well. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. But so yeah, three. For the most part, um, really good decision making, and again consistent. Uh, you know, this guy came in; his career completion percentage was over sixty-seven percent prior to this year, and it's, it's dipped down a little bit because uh, because he's had you know some uh, some issues whether whether it's been drops or needing to throw the ball away because of bad protection, things that are a little bit out of his control. But um, up there at sixty-eight percent tonight. I think that's the kind of numbers you can expect from this guy. So, all right, let's jump over to the defensive side of the ball. A lot to try to uh, to, to wrangle in here, but um, you know, I wrote about the Kendall Daniels interception. Uh, you know, and my, my, the way I said it was, you can't say that it was the it was the game winning play because they had to do a whole lot more after that to actually win the game. But if he doesn't make that play and they score a touchdown right there, I don't think Oklahoma State has a chance. It's tough. It's a two score game. A two score game there, and they haven't. That they would that would have been six touchdowns in eight possessions for the yeah. Kansas State offense. And I think the the momentum, the the energy that the defense felt by making a stop help them close out the game and the offense was really putting things together at that point they're able to turn things around uh, but just a a huge play at uh, at that point in the game Jacob yeah and we've been waiting for a play like that from Kendall Daniels pretty right. much all season yeah. he's kind of been quiet in his new role um been really good he hasn't yeah. been bad but um we've been waiting for a moment like that and and I think some of this credit for this for that I'm not necessarily that play necessarily I we gotta give Brian Nardo some credit, yeah, absolutely. for adjusting because it, you know, Mike Gundy said at halftime Nardo had the answers, just had to adjust and 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 how to fix the the poorest secondary. I mean, yeah. that secondary was just getting gashed, right? Um, and I thought it was interesting. Mike said that uh, of the five touchdowns, what two of them were confusion, yes, about OSU's part, exactly, um, and three of them were breakdowns with uh, Bean scrambling. Yeah, uh, but I thought it was interesting. Um, but Nardo had the answers. Nardo adjusted, um, and then adjusted even more in the fourth quarter by cutting calling Oliver loose. Right. Um, so if people, you know, I know some fans get, you know, pretty anxious about this defense and sometimes giving up big plays, but it's kind of a learning process for everybody involved with this defense right now. And Nardo's showing a lot of growth. Absolutely, and and the uh, the the two uh, communication uh, mistakes, confusion mistakes were really rare stuff that you're not going to see a lot. Kansas would uh, – I only was able to watch the replay on one of them, so I don't know what this what the other play was. But they sent an offensive tackle out wide and had their tight end lined up, 
in an offensive tackle spot, the second guy over from the center, but he's an eligible receiver. So it looks like the the other guy is the eligible receiver, and the and the tight end is playing an offensive line position, and he uh, and he got lost in uh, in the secondary and got wide open. Um, so it's some really interesting stuff that they do, uh, basically hiding an, an eligible receiver in an offensive line position. So it's tricky stuff that that uh, you've got to work really hard to be very detailed in watching who's where and all of those sorts of things. So some interesting stuff that it's uh, understandable why you might have a, a bust here or there in, in those situations. Obviously not great, but it makes a little bit of sense. Um, and Kendall Daniels was, uh, was on the wrong end of a couple of those busts and talked about, um, you know, how important it was for him to make a play and get things back on the right track after uh, after having I mean one of those one of those uh, long touchdowns he was looking straight in the backfield and the tight end runs yeah. directly past him it was uh, uh, I think the way Nardo described it was he said Kendall was playing the run fit incredibly aggressively <laughs> I was like that's a nice way to yeah, say it that was the play action one that was the yes. one that. Uh, that, that wasn't the, the one that you mentioned that the tight end lined up as the tackle. I think it was also in a hurry-up offense, too. Right. It yes. was a very, very fast play, and I don't think OSU could even process what was happening at right. that point. And he was wide open. And so, yeah, that, that one, though, was Kendall totally been on the play action. Yes. And uh, it's good to know that if they had to hand the ball off, Kendall was there. But <laughs> uh, it was not good that they had to hand the ball off. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I, I found interesting that Nardo said – he was a little bit surprised at how much Kansas threw the ball, especially like early down situations mm-hmm. um, where, where they're more typically going to run the ball because they've got two really good running backs. Uh, but they felt like, it seems, that because OSU was working so hard to take away the run that they were going to try to win some one-on-one matchups, and they were able to do that. So um, really good uh, game plan by Kansas to, to get some matchups that they liked and take advantage of those. Um, Here's a question about the secondary. Yeah, did Corey back Corey Black play tonight? <laughs> he did. He made a uh, made a late tackle. I okay. saw him out there. Okay, I just feel like nobody throws at him. No, nobody threw at him. I just feel like he was he was there, but not really there. Like, yeah, I haven't I haven't looked at at his updated numbers uh, since. After Iowa State, the first four games, his guy was targeted twelve times. He had allowed six receptions. Um, I'll have to, I'll have to get that, I'll get that number updated, yeah. and we can talk about it on uh, on the Monday podcast. Yeah, I, I just don't feel like I saw Corey Black the entire no. game. His guy is not being thrown to, and they're they're avoiding him as much as possible. And honestly, I mean, Cam Smith on the other side, they're not throwing it outside. No, no they're, they're they're really not. The safeties are where they're trying to attack. Yeah. Um, you know they 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 had some luck going against Rucker. We mentioned that Daniels had a uh, a couple of issues. Um, you know Cam Smith or uh, excuse me Cam Cameron Epps rotated out and got replaced by Dylan Smith, who was Cam Smith's little brother. And and Dylan comes up with with one of the biggest plays of the night. That it's was the safeties who come through where they're being picked on. Exactly. So um, so I mean you include uh, you know Epps. And, and Lyric Rawls, who's obviously out for the year now, that position has four interceptions at this point. That's crazy. 
Yeah. So, um, never would have predicted that. No. Uh, but Dylan Smith's interception, I was, I was fascinated by from the start because, uh, it was all generated by a, uh, a, a play design that Joe Bob Clemens came up with during preparation and they worked on it all week where in certain situations they would drop a defensive end back a few yards to just be in a in a passing lane for a little underneath throw or a potential screen and he happened to be in the exact right position they tried to throw it over him he gets a hand up bats it into the air and there's Dylan Smith ready to come down with his first interception of his career in his second career game only his second game they it sounded like they were completely fine with redshirting him until lyric rolls got hurt and now they've uh, they've brought him in he's he's on the two deep and and rotating in rotating with cameron epps at that at that safety position so really uh, really solid really impressive obviously they see something they like for a true freshman to be put in that situation um you know that's a position where they like to have a really good cover guy. You know, Epps w- was originally a corner. Dylan Smith was originally a corner. They moved both of those guys over into that safety spot to take advantage of some of their depth there. And um, you know, it's going to be interesting to watch how that position is used going forward because obviously it's going to be in situations where they've got to make plays. Um, Colin Oliver, another. Yeah, I think, uh, another, we, have, I think another, we got a close defensive talk talking about friend of the podcast Colin Oliver that's right good friend of the podcast yes the the basically the the adjustments that they made in the middle of the third quarter were partially designed around the fact that what I talked about earlier that um, that Kansas was throwing the ball in running situations and, and situations that Oklahoma State didn't expect them to throw and partly just because Colin Oliver is a really really good pass rusher and uh, I don't I can't I, I lost count of how many times I heard between Mike Gundy and Brian Nardo the phrase activate Colin Oliver it was yeah. like it was like he was a uh, a, 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 a transformer yeah and they had to they had to you know get him to uh, to transform um, but that so that was the goal with the changes and he obviously became a, uh, a very effective player you know he's good as a linebacker, but he is so so talented as a pass rusher. Maybe they should do that more. I, I, think, I, I think I'm just going to go on the record and say they should probably do that more. I think there's a good chance that they will. Now, obviously, the base of this defense is is the three man front, but when they get it, when they get a chance to use him, they're they're going to do it. I was I was really curious. He went out for a few plays at one point. I was uh-huh. I was curious if there was going to be an injury situation, uh, but uh, but he came back. I think after about three or four plays and and was obviously doing He's, just fine. He said he in, got in Nick Martin's helmet to the quad, I think, or something. Uh, and that, it hurt enough. He said I had to stay down for a minute. <laughs> and so, um, and I think he said he got a helmet to helmet at some point with someone else too. Maybe that kind of. Shook him up for a second, but he said he was fine. Um, I asked if that made him angry when he got hurt because he seemed like he was like the Incredible Hulk or something after that. Right. And he said no. He kind of laughed and said no, but but uh, you know he was he was fired up and ready to go for sure. Yes. But I just he just looked like I don't know. Looked like I don't want to say Colin Oliver of old because he's just his third season. But like this was the Colin Oliver that you had seen, especially his freshman year. Right. 
that was unstoppable when he was yeah. in there and just turned loose when Jim Knowles just turned him loose. And now Jim Knowles turned a lot of people loose. Right. It's different. But Oliver was so special at it, and I think they've got to figure out a way to do that more. They can't do it all the time. I get it. But to kind of figure out a way to just to activate Oliver. Maybe mm-hmm. that's maybe that's their phrase now, their <laughs> catchphrase, just right. activate, activate Oliver. And, yeah. And, and see what happens. But uh, they got to figure that out more because – it totally changed the complexion of that game in the fourth quarter when he was really getting after Jason Bean. Um, I know there's some debate if he's offsides or not. I don't really know. I haven't got a good look at it. The fourth but, down uh, play, it was close. It was a close call. Um, he did get a running start. I've seen it in the NFL, and it's not been called, so I don't I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very close call. I watched the replay a couple of times certainly make the case that maybe he was offsides. He was about a yard back and did get a running start, um, but it's possible he just jumped the count. It's also possible that he was offsides. I can't I can't say for sure. So, well, with that, anything else about the uh, about the defense? Or uh, or should I bring us to uh, the most important thing I forgot? I think we should go the most important thing we forgot. Okay. I mean, this, has been, this has been fun. Because uh, I'm, I'm sure that I I'm sure that I forgot something important because there were so many things tonight. Um, it just it feels so weird to be in this position right now when, uh, you know, uh, what, nine, ten days ago, uh, I was trying to figure out how this team was going to get to a bowl game. Yeah, you wrote a whole story on it. Yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> and now it's like, it's like they're going to get to a bowl game. I don't see how they don't win a game the rest of the way. I, in that story, ranked the remaining games and – these two that they've just won were two of the three toughest left on the schedule. Wow. So, you know, it's pretty solid. Pretty solid wins. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, I got I got, I got busy rambling. What was the most important thing I forgot, Jacob? I think we got to talk about the uh, special teams disaster of Kansas on their extra points. Oh, my goodness. It's so it's so weird to think about that, but that really ended up playing a big part because they, they – um, they had one blocked. Right. Um, two blocked. Two blocked. The one blocked. of them was called back, right? Uh, yes, yes. They still blocked two, right? Maybe Yeah, so. we'll have to look back at it. But, uh, they had two yeah. failed two-point conversions. Okay. Uh, it was just a mess. And right. it really allowed Gundy to stick with his game plan with the field goal kicking a conservative approach that he's known for right and knowing the math because apparently Mike Gundy's a mathematician on the sideline yeah and it worked it worked to perfection and a lot of that's because OSU knows what it's doing on special teams yes very very well because you can never knock OSU on special teams at this point right um that brings up what I would say probably is really the most important thing I forgot. Um, I'm surprised that our good friend Joe Masato is not going crazy back in the back of the, uh, the, the mobile podcast studio right now because he wrote about this and it was hugely important. My Gunny's decision making was fascinating. Yes. On fourth down or just field goal situations in general. Um, there were times that I was like, why is he not going for it here? There were times though at the end where I'm like, why is he kicking a field yes. goal here? Why? What is he doing? Um, a lot of a lot of very curious decisions, but at the end of the day, he's got a seven point victory, and you know he's won 
nine out of his last ten now as as a home underdog. Like he's he's doing things to get victories. So as much as you might dislike his decisions to not go for it on some some fourth down situations or to uh, um, to try to try a field goal when you've just got to try to kill some time. Um, because even so, some of his logic and his explanations don't really even make sense sometimes. Or, yeah. uh, or he, can, he he repeatedly said that he um, that one of the field goals made it a one score game when it went from eight to five, which is still just a one score game. Yeah. Um, lots of lots of confusing things, but he's he, my. It might not be traditional um, or uh, by the book, but it's working. So I don't even know how to to address it beyond that. No, it's all right. It, it worked. All right. Well, good deal. I think that will do it for the post-game podcast. We will be back at Stone Cloud on Monday to uh, to record our video podcast and, uh, and do all the fun things there. Uh, but, uh, but that'll do it for tonight. Thank you for listening to the Cowboy Chronicles. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.